Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This segment was presented by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. What's going on, everybody? I hope everyone is having a fantastic day so far. I'm here with a very special guest, uh, college football guru. He knows his stuff, Matthew Perkins. Um, he has podcast on the Believe Network, uh, not only for college football, but Wisconsin football and Vanderbilt as well. Matthew, thank you so much uh, for taking time out of your day to join the show. Sure, man. Thanks for having me on. Always happy to chat college football. So uh, and, and talk about the U. I don't get to talk about the U that much, but uh, I think the team is going to be really interesting this year. Yeah, I, I hope so, too. And I mean, look, as long as we don't play Wisconsin for a bowl game, right? <laughs> I'll take I mean, it. We've, we, we, we've done that twice in the last, what, three years or something like that. So, yeah, it's it yeah, hasn't been pretty 2017 and 2018. Yeah, <laughs> man, got to love it. Got to love college football. We're around the corner. Uh, Matthew, I got to ask, you know, we're talking about college football. Oklahoma, Texas joining the SEC. I think everybody was just in shock. I thought it was a parody account with the tweet. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, it's a very strange, it's a new era of college football, in my opinion. I don't know if I like it, honestly, and I would love to hear your opinion on this. Personally, I hate it. Um, I am a college football traditionalist. I think I tweeted this out from my Badgers account. Make the Big Ten 10 again. I, I, I don't want Nebraska. I don't want Rutgers. I don't want Maryland. I don't even want Penn State. Yeah. You know, Penn, people don't realize Penn State didn't join the Big Ten until 1994. <laughs> Make the Big Ten 10 again. Let's go back to the days of the Big Eight and the SWAC. And I think with the college football bowl, or I should say the college football playoff system, probably expanding to 12 teams sooner rather than later the need for super large conferences actually dwindles in a lot of ways. As far as I'm concerned, I don't, I really just don't care for these super giant conferences. I think that one of the best things about college football in general are the traditions. And when you have all this conference realignment, when you have teams just going after money grabs, you are destroying a lot of the foundations that the sport is built upon. And it's my opinion that while yes, there is also a tradition of like going after the money, you know, in in conference, you know, reorganization that we've seen over the years, it doesn't necessarily make the sport better. And I think that there is going to be enough money going around because live sports are at this point in the world, pretty much the only thing that's DVR proof, right? Right. So 
you're going to get the advertising dollars. And now obviously like, yes, if you have a 16 team sec with Alabama and Florida and Georgia and Oklahoma and Texas, you're going to see a ton of money poured into the sec, but I personally am just, I'm not here for it whatsoever. I am a very much a traditionalist. I mean, if you told me that you want to go to the back to the pack eight before they even added the two Arizona schools, I wouldn't be mad at you, man. I I get how things do modernize over the years. Like you mentioned, the Pac-8, Big 8 goes to the Big 10, the Pac-12. But I think it's like getting too modern. We're creating a super conference. In college football, the beauty of it, in my opinion, was the traditionalist. You know, the regional rivalries that you had. You know, the Big 10 had its identity. The Pac-12 has its identity. The Big 12 the ACC, I'm not not so much. It's just really Clemson's conference, but um, you know the Big but East. But it wasn't used to always like that. It exactly. wasn't always like that. Exactly. It was Florida State's conference for the longest time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, I think right now we're just college football. Really, is the SEC football? I think that is the identity of college football right now. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It's all just gone to one big area, and I think this is really going to hurt a lot of programs. And conferences in general, like when we're talking about, oh, conference realignment, it doesn't affect just football. It affects all of the varsity sports at any institution. And so if I am a volleyball player at Oklahoma, well, now there is so much more travel that I'm going to have to do. If I have to go play a conference game at Florida, that is going to, you know, especially with these sports that play a lot more games than football does, right? Football, 12 regular season games, right. one conference championship game if you get there, maximum two postseason games if you make the national title game at this point. And if we're going to move to a 12-team playoff, we're probably, I don't think they're going to cut down the regular season, but, you know, I just don't feel like you then really need nine conference games. Or even eight conference games if you're going to be playing that many postseason games. So I don't know. Probably I'm sure that there are going to be thousands of people who tell me I'm completely in the wrong. It's a great thing for the SEC to bring in Texas and Oklahoma. But, you know, in the last 40 years, Texas has been relevant like twice. <laughs> so I, I'm yeah. not sure really what they're bringing to the SEC, quite frankly. And, you know, those two schools are rivals. But what happens to Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State? You know, what happens to, you know, all, all these other Big 12 rivalries? Because we're going to, the Big 12 is just going to straight out disband if right. this happens. There is nothing left there for them. What are they going to do? Add Houston and Memphis? Like, how is that going to move the needle whatsoever? I don't love it. And it's probably going to mean that my Big 10 adds Iowa State and. Kansas or something like that. Great Kansas football. Just what I want to see. Now I like Iowa state. I have a very soft spot for Iowa state, but that's a different story for a different time. I just, I, man, I'm, I'm not here for it. If in whether they go into two divisions or four pods, it just, I feel like it's ruining the sport that I fell in love with as like a seven year old. Right. You know, I grew up watching like my first, my first favorite player was Charlie Ward. I loved watching Charlie Ward play for Florida State. Now, I know this is a Miami fan. You're probably going to hate to hear that. But Charlie Ward, to me, was just magical to watch on the field. Same thing with work done. 
And, you know, what, what happens to these traditional rivalries? Well, you know, in, in the ACC, like, you know, if they go to 16 teams, do we still get Florida State Miami every year? Because that's an amazing right. game. The tradition just within that rivalry becomes completely bastardized. And I just, I want to see that game. Like, I don't, if the Big Ten goes to pods and I lose Wisconsin, Minnesota every year, I'm going to be devastated. I love beating the Gophers. There is nothing that brings me as much joy as beating Minnesota year in and year out. So, Interesting times in college football. I'm curious how everything does end up. And, you know, hey, I think you said it best. We all fall in, fall in love with this sport, um, you know, as children. And I don't know. I don't know if the passion will still be there, but only time will tell. So luckily we may only have four more years of college football, I guess, right? Who knows? Um, yeah. Matt, Miami Hurricanes, you're yeah, let's cover talk college about football them. all across the map. You got Vanderbilt, Wisconsin, you have your own college football podcast. What's your outlook on this team? I think this is a very interesting team, and I think it starts with De'Aaron King. And Obviously, it starts with De'Aaron yeah. King, which is he's had such an interesting career. He's a sixth-year senior now. It's weird to think that his high school his high school backup is now in the league and yet he's still playing in college. Yeah, it's <laughs> a great point. <laughs> what? Is, yeah, six year senior coming off the surgery. I'm curious to see how quickly he's going to recover from that ACL. I'm also really curious to see how quickly he gels with Charleston Rambo. I think Charleston Rambo is one of the best transfer portal pickups for any team in the country. He is electric. As and he can be a just he can do a little bit of everything as a wide receiver. And I think that if him and King can get on the page early, we're going to see some real, you know, some real big things, some real highlights on the flip side, though, with King being injured, he missed spring ball and he missed a lot of those reps that he could have gotten with those receivers. I don't love what the Canes have in the backfield this year. But I do like their line. I think their line is in the upper echelon of the ACC. I don't think it's quite on the level of a Boston College or a North Carolina State, a North Carolina State team that I am extraordinarily high on. I might make an argument they're the second best team in the ACC. But I think that Miami's offensive line is really good. I'm curious, and I would like your perspective on the defensive line. Now, they've lost, obviously, Rousseau didn't play last year, but his 2019 season was fantastic. Yeah. Jalen Phillips last year was Menix. Who's next? Who's going who's gonna to step up to be that impact edge rusher for them? And then I want to see, I, I see Bubba Bolden just, like, finally come into his own. I feel like he's been so up and down. He yep. was a really hyped recruit, and... I think he's got the physical tools. Obviously, he has the physical tools, but can he really put it all together and become, you know, he has the tools to be a potential All-American safety, but is he going to really put it all together? Yeah, Bolden, you know, he's been up and down, and I think the second half of his season is where I think specifically in pass coverage, things got a little bit ugly for him, um, you know, just needs to put it all together, play more consistently. You mentioned defensive line right now. Obviously, we lost Jalen Phillips. Um, you know, we lost Quincy Roche, Gregory Rousseau. They had two first rounders in the past two seasons. You know, 
that's a lot of players you lose. And so you need to reload there. We did pick up DeAndre Johnson, who had 4.5 sacks for Tennessee in the SEC. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a solid pickup. And then on the other side, you have Javari Harvey as well, who's a underclassman by COVID rules, but he has, you know, potential wise, he has a very high ceiling. He just hasn't really been given his opportunity. And then you have Zach McLeod, who transitioned. He's he's one of those six-year veteran players like De'Ara King, who his final season of college football, he was playing linebacker. Um, they switched him over to defensive end. So that's going to be an interesting uh, situation there. But I would say defensive end-wise, this is probably our weakest unit Miami has had in a very long time, which is very concerning because Miami typically always has a good defensive line. That's kind of what creates their defense is putting applying pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, it's going to be very interesting. And this might be the first year where Miami secondary is actually the best unit on the field. Thanks to having coach Travaris Robinson come in and taking over that unit. And he's done a fantastic job already in recruiting. So, you know, it's going to be a big question mark how our D line plays but I think our defensive tackles are very well equipped of getting the job done. It's just her defensive ends. It's a big question mark. And that Alabama game makes me very, very worried. Yeah, I can, I, I can imagine as such. Now, my, my other question, you mentioned the, the new secondary coach. Who, who are the other you know, new assistant coaches? Now, I haven't been able to keep up with Miami's, you know, comings and goings uh, on the assistant level as much under Manny Diaz. Have there been any other assistant coaches that have really sort of made an impact, uh, you know, in there and now either like first or second year with, with the staff? I would say Jess Simpson came back to the staff and Jess Simpson, you know, in 2018, he had a very good defensive line. You know, it was probably either top five or the best in the nation. I forgot what the rankings were, but Jess Simpson coming back and taking over that defensive line unit. I think you're going to see a big improvement overall from our D tackles. Like I said, our defensive ends are not going to be at the level of play that we've seen at defensive end, but at least we have a good coach there. So I think Jess Simpson, I think he'll take over the reins very well. He just, we don't have the talent right now at that entire position unit to really see the production we saw in 2018, but he can really do a nice job. And Demarcus Van Dyke, he's a cornerbacks coach at Miami. Um, Travaris Robinson oversees the entire defensive back, so he's kind of an assistant to him. But he's done a really good job in recruiting, and a lot of players do like him a lot. So that's another coach to keep your eye on. And I'll throw you another coach who's at Miami now as a quality control analyst, and he's a former defensive coordinator in the SEC and at Penn State, Bob Shoup. Mm. He's on staff as well, so he has a tremendous resume. And, you know, I'm curious how that will play out. So yeah. it's going to be a very interesting season. Alabama first game. Matt, do you think Miami even has a shot against these guys or it's just going to be another stomping? No. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Everyone gives me that response. I'm sorry. Like, Everyone. I, I, I feel bad, man. It, it's a rough way to start the season. It's, like, it, I don't understand the philosophy our AD does for these games. We played LSU first game of the season in Dallas. We played Florida first game of the season in Orlando. We play Alabama in Atlanta. Like, you don't even start at home. You always start at a neutral site. And Miami does not travel. They're not good at traveling. It's a small private school with 10,000 undergrad. Like, all of our alumni base are in the Northeast. (laughs) It's... Yeah. 
I feel that because Wisconsin started with LSU back-to-back years, one year in Dallas and one year in Green Bay. Now, the Green Bay game is effectively a home game for Wisconsin, right? right? You know, Green Bay is two and a half hours from campus, but, you know, thousands of miles from LSU. But the Dallas game was the inverse. Dallas was basically a home game for LSU. And so I I get I understand scheduling these big non-conference games, but I would rather do it week two or week three after you've had a bit of a tune-up personally. Yeah. You know, but if you are going to catch Alabama, I guess it's week one, breaking in a new quarterback and a lot of new players. I mean, how many guys they've drafted eight in the first few rounds last year or something like that? Something silly, but uh, it still doesn't matter. I mean, the guys that they had as backups, the guys that are backups on this team now are probably a top 25 team in the country. Wow. So it's. It's. I don't want to say it's unfair. I mean, Nick Saban operates within the structure, within the rules, but they just happen to be unbelievably talented, unbelievably deep, and especially at places that, you know, I think that the Miami passing attack is going to be better than the rushing attack this year. Well, Alabama's defensive backs are amongst the best in the country at, you know, at corner and safety. They are unbelievably loaded. So, you, you know, so what, what are you going to be able to do against that? And I, I think I think it's it's really tough. Alabama, you know, Alabama to Atlanta is not a very far drive. What, no, yeah. Three hours, I think, maybe they're, three and a half. Coming, they're coming in hot. It's going to yeah. be like, I, I really think it's going to be like a sea of red there. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it, <laughs> it really is. is. And I feel bad for you guys. I mean, Wisconsin's opening with Penn State. That is not an easy game to open with. Not at all. But fortunately, it's at home. Now, again, I'm a traditionalist. I do not like conference matchups week one. I, I think I think it it feels it feels icky to me. I don't know. It, I I just you know, I, I maybe it's not the most exciting thing in the world, but you know, I'm used to Wisconsin opening up with like Ball State. I'm used to Wisconsin opening up with some like mid level MAC team that they can win like fifty four to six and like run up you know rub the score a little bit, get everyone feeling good about themselves. But instead, we are going to be in for, you know, an absolute, you know, a knife fight or like a rock fight, probably with Penn State. It's not going to be a very high scoring game. Both these teams have pretty good defenses. And I don't know. It just it feels weird to me, man. I'm I don't know. I, I guess I'm a little bit too old school. You know, I I'm I'm a someone who I don't even mind getting rid of the playoff. I kind of like the old bowl system, man. Like I, I love I liked being able to wake up. New Year's Day and watch the bowl games and finish the day knowing who at least I thought the best team in the country was. And if there's a split national title, there's a split national title. It's not the end of the world. And I, I you know, it, especially with bowl games, like really meant something like the Rose Bowl. I, I've been to the Rose Bowl three times mm-hmm. and it's a magical place yeah and i don't like having the rose bowl not mean nearly as much as it used to right no i agree i agree i've been to the rose bowl as well it's you know i think you said it best it's very majestic very magical you know you you when you when you're there you feel the history and you know it's very prestigious and i I completely agree waking up New Year's Day and watching all these bowl games. I think it's it's kind of like, you know, Thanksgiving watching football. You know, <laughs> it's it's just part of a traditional holiday. You have the United States and I I did like the old bowl system. It's just, you know, when your team doesn't get in, 
you know, that I think that's when I get it. It's like a machine system telling you, like, no, you're not in. But but even though, like, situationally speaking, the scenarios, it's like, well, you know, they technically sh- should be given the opportunity over that team. But according to a computer, it doesn't count. I'm talking like pre-BCS, man. Like, give me Pac-12, Big Ten, or Pac-10, Big Ten, or Pac-8, Big Ten. Right. In the Rose Bowl. Give me, you know, ACC, Big 12 in the Orange Bowl, right? right. I, you know, g- give me the league winners from each of those two conferences, and right. I'm happy. It's going to be a good game. Right. It's going to be a good game. So we'll it's, see. Yeah, it's we'll see. Modern day We're, college football. <laughs> it is. It, it, it is. It is. You know, um, so one of the questions you asked me, though, before the show is what are my thoughts on Manny Diaz? Yeah. Manny Diaz is someone that I have a really tough time getting a grasp on. Okay. Because I feel like he has this reputation of being, I don't want to say like a defensive mastermind, but a pretty good defensive mind. And I haven't entirely seen that yet in his tenure. Okay. I agree. I a hundred percent agree. I also don't love the way he he got to the U. I don't love that he was at a temple for a couple days and then sort of like backed out. That seemed a little sketchy to me. Like I get why he did it. I get why he did it, but that just seemed all a little bit uh, questionable to me. Now, I think that it seems at least from the outside, now you would know way better than I would, that he seems to be picking up recruiting a little bit and doing a better job sort of reestablishing the state of Miami than, you know, some of the, you know, then especially like I think like Mark Rick did. Right. So, but I, I'm curious to see what you think of Manny Diaz because the Miami fans that I have in my life and I have a few aren't hundred percent sold on him yet. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the same boat. You know, uh, I personally think Manny Diaz should have never been given the University of Miami head coaching job. He does not have the resume by any means to have a power five, five-time national champion head coaching job. That doesn't sound like a defensive coordinator from Mississippi State or the or Miami. He, sound, he should have been given the Temple head coaching job. If he's successful there, then hey, you are rewarded the Miami Hurricanes football head coaching job. But no, he should have never been given the job. And unfortunately, Miami hurt badly. I felt like Mark Richt gave us a golden opportunity to hire someone, whether it's a veteran head coach or someone with experience, but it was a new opportunity. And I think we took a big gamble and this gamble is really going to hurt the university of Miami, or it's going to be an incredible hire, you know, diamond in the rough. So Manny Diaz, like I said, he didn't do anything out of the ordinary as a defensive coordinator. He's not Dave Aranda by any means, you know? So, I, I don't know. I don't like the turnover chain. It's became our identity as a program. I think it's disgusting. You know, you did mention that he is establishing the state of Miami. I don't think he is. Okay. I think, so, so I, I, I think I, Alabama I, is. I think Alabama, your Ohio States, you know, we're in a modern day of college football where kids, you know, their Instagram, social media is everywhere. And hey, it's more viable the resources at hand it's easier to trans to use transportation you know there's always that black market that people uh you know things are given under the table as well you know it's it's a different game now there's a name image likeness bill 
you know, so I think Miami, I don't think it can ever be established to say to Miami unless you become a Clemson or Alabama and you just dominate year in and year out. So, mm-hmm. no, I, I honestly, this year is going to be a big question mark how Coach Manny Diaz does. I, he's my coach, you know, for the University of Miami. So he's our head coach and I got to stand by him. But I, I'm, I'm a big believer in envisioning things. And if you can't picture it, it will never happen. So and, who would have who who would have been your your dream hire when they when they got Diaz? Several people tell me like Mario Cristobal was open to talking to Miami. You know I, what I mean? I'm not saying like he would jump, but like I know Mario Cristobal. We have the same background. We come from the city of Miami. He went to Columbus High School. Like all my friends, a lot of my friends went to Columbus. I almost, I actually almost went to Columbus High School. Like we come from the same foundation, same beginnings. I know mm-hmm. for a fact, like. His wife is from Miami. She doesn't like Eugene, Oregon. Like they miss <laughs> Miami. Like they like you miss Miami. I think that would have been an excellent hire if he if we would have hired him when he wasn't at Oregon, you know? Yep. Um my dream hire, I mean just a veteran, I would say give me an SEC guy who was a defensive coordinator and killed it. I think Dave Aranda would have been a great hire or you know, give me a guy who I think Mel Tucker would have been a great hire as well if you you know, give him some more time at Colorado, but give me that SEC defensive coordinator that's been in the, you know, like that Kirby Smart kind of experience. Interesting. Um, you know, he's been through the ranks of recruiting. He knows the SEC mentality and, you know, hey, have fun. You know, I think Lane Kiffin would have been a great hire too. Yeah. So Kiffin's someone that comes to mind for me. I don't think Dave Aranda, he, you know, he coached at Wisconsin for a while. Oh, that's I don't right. see yeah. Dave Aranda fitting culturally in Miami. Interesting. Okay. He does not have, I think the necessary bravado that you need to be a successful coach in Miami. He is so low key. He is not like a guy who is, you know, in in a lot of good ways, he's not a guy that's going to draw a lot of attention to himself, but he was also never known as a recruiter at all. He's a, he's a defensive genius like a gen like a like a generational defensive coordinator he's never struck me as someone who is a program ceo so i think that you know he's head coach at baylor now and i think that's a really awkward fit yeah i think that's a really awkward fit i think that he is someone that kind of just needs to be a you know, the highest paid assistant coach in the country. Cause I don't know. I don't know. Like, and maybe he will grow into this job and maybe he will do great things, but I just don't love him as a head coach. Now, when, when I saw that, I thought they should have just backed the Brinks truck up for Brett Venables. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's the guy that I would have, you know, he's seen how to be successful in the ACC. Right. He's been, um, he's had, Phenomenal defenses at Clemson. Yeah. Phenomenal defenses at Clemson. Clemson's done a really good job of recruiting Florida as well. And I think that Venables to me is kind of the guy that has the attitude, the outlook, the background. He kind of checks all the boxes for me. Yeah, that that's that's really an interesting candidate. And I feel like I forget about Brett Venables a lot because he seems like a lock to be Clemson's defensive coordinator, like Bud Foster was at Virginia Tech. Like, he's not leaving. You know, I think maybe he has his eye on, like, one prize that he wants, and he'll go for it. But, 
you know, I think he's going to stay at Clemson for whatever reason. Like, mm-hmm. Dabo Sweeney's done an excellent job at Clemson and keeping yep. his staff there. I mean, Jeff Scott as well was there for a long time, you know, so whatever Dabo's doing, man, like take someone from that recipe and just, you know, just get something, you know, something of that, um, you know, that success they're having over there. And, you know, Matt, I want to ask you one last question. You know, what's your prediction on the 2021 Miami Hurricanes? You think we can uh, meet up again against Wisconsin for a bowl game or <laughs> be I've something got, different? I got Miami finishing nine and three. That's completely fair. I think that that's very realistic. I think that they have enough pass catching options between Charleston Rambo, uh, Mike Harley and Will Mallory to have a very good offense they need to complement that with some sort of a running game. I think that while we don't have a standout on the defensive line yet, I imagine someone's going to pop. But I also think that, you know, Miami's schedule is not easy, right? I mean, you talk about opening yeah. with Alabama, you know, Michigan State luckily is still sort of down, right? Otherwise, right. that might be, that would be a really interesting non-conference matchup at North Carolina. It's going to be tough home against NC state is going to be really tough. I love North Carolina state this year. I really? love North Carolina state this year. Yes. I think, like I said before, I think they're the second best team in the ACC. And you don't, you don't, you, wait, Oh, you, did you say North Carolina state or North Carolina, North Carolina state? You think North Carolina state is better than Sam Howe yes. and Phil Longo's offense. Yes. I do. <laughs> I do. And and because How? North North Carolina has to break North Carolina has no no weapons coming back. They lost their top two running backs, their top two or three receivers, some offensive linemen. They lost, you know, the heart of their defense chess are like they've lost a bunch of dudes. And don't get me wrong, I think North Carolina will end up with a better record than NC State, but I think NC State's a better team. I think NC State is more well-balanced. They have arguably the best offensive line in the conference. NC State has, you know, Zonovan Knight, I think, is the best running back in the conference, you know, along with Jameer Gibbs up at Georgia Tech. I, you know, I'm I'm big, big on, like I said, their offensive line. Grant Gibson is maybe the best center in college football outside of Tyler Linderbaum at Iowa. And, you know, I just, I really like this team and I've always been a Dave Doran fan. I don't know why it's completely irrational, but I think if they get even just like barely above average play from Devin Leary, they are, I think they're going to finish 10 and two, quite frankly. Hey, that is, that is a very bold prediction. Miami's got to play NC state this year at home. Mm-hmm. Luckily, yep. I think that is going to be an interesting game. Yeah. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be a, it's going to be an absolutely fantastic oh, game. Man. Oh my, listen, I'm, I'm going to say this. If Miami does lose to NC state this year, say they, I don't know. I think that would be a huge bad loss for Miami. So, Hey, I think that's a bold prediction. I think NC state eight and four, nine and three range is about right for me. All right. I mean, I ten, you know, ten I, wins I, is I've, tough. Ten wins is tough. NC State as a program, I don't. I'm not sure if they've ever had ten wins as a program. Right. Exactly. Well, uh, yeah. Maybe with Philip Rivers one year. No, nah, man. No. Philip Rivers' record was like sneaky bad. Oh boy. <laughs> like he was like seven wins, maybe eight wins in a season. Like 
The other team I'm really high on the ACC is Boston College this year. Yep, I um, agree. I agree. I think Boston College is great. I, uh, I, I think their offensive line is just stunning. I think Zay Flowers is a ridiculous wide receiver. Like yeah. no one talks about Zay Flowers as being a top a top tier receiver, and yet he is one of the best in the country. So I, I do agree with that. Well, Matthew, it was a pleasure talking college football with you, man. I, I know sure. you really know your stuff, and I appreciate your takes and perspectives. And uh, hopefully we can uh, talk more college football during the regular season. Anytime, man. Anytime. It was a, a pleasure to hop on with you. Lastly, Matthew, where can the good people find you? Uh, three podcasts. Believe in Badger football. Believe in Vanderbilt football and Illegal Motion. Illegal Motion, we just started our seventh season. Uh, we had our, our big ACC prediction show came out last week. SEC shows coming out today, Friday. And we got Big Ten coming up next week. So we are rolling through it. Uh, episode, I think this last episode was episode 265. Uh, so something I'm, I'm really proud of. You know, we've been in the game for a while now. So it's getting after it. And yeah, I'm, you know, always around just kind of trolling Twitter and Instagram. So Matthew, it was a pleasure, man. Thank you again. Likewise. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.